Everybody, welcome to another episode of the Chalk Dinosaur Podcast. And today I want to talk about an album from 2020 called Song of an Eastern Wind. This was the first release of 2020. It was released on January 24th. And the album cover was an illustration made by my brother Mike. And probably one of my favorite album covers because um, I love bonsai trees and it's just, I just love the image. Um, I had to find a, a font. That was really hard to find a font to write the album title in. Sometimes I just avoid putting fonts on altogether because it's so hard to find one that doesn't look Bush League. But this one, um, I, I liked this one. It's like a cursive, kind of goes along with the Eastern theme the bonsai theme but um yeah i i wanted to create an album where every song had words and lyrics and vocals it was very uh, it had been a while since i'd made a vocally centered album and so that's that was kind of the main theme of this album is i wanted them all to be songs with words, um, pretty concise, uh, concisely composed songs. And I mean, before this one, the last song or the last album I had made that was centered around words and lyrics was in 2015. Uh, an EP called Fear, Fear or Love. That was the last time I really made a lyrically oriented song or album. Uh, I think like every, almost every album since then contained at least one or two, a couple songs with that was uh, vocally oriented. Um, but I wanted to do another one that was all, every song was based around heavily around lyrics and vocals. And I mean, other than that, there really is no connective tissue between these, like in terms of genre and production style, they're really all over the place from like acoustic rock with Sedona, that song to, you know, harder kind of electronic dance music. And so really the only thing tying these together is the fact that they're all very based around vocals, vocal melodies, vocal production, lyrics. Um, so that's what I wanted to do with this album. And I, I thought it was interesting that you could get all these different styles and 
still have a common thread with the the voice kind of holding everything, uh, centering everything. So yeah, I'll uh, go through these songs and say a little bit about each one. The first song is called Rabbit Hole. And this was... This got a lot of airtime on WYAP 91.3, which is the you know, local Pittsburgh, one of the local radio stations that, you know, is supportive of local music and gives local artists some airtime. And uh, so that that was good. And yeah, th- this song, I guess part of this song is definitely influenced by kind of the Wolfpack, Corey Wong type of feel-good uh, funk, at least like the chord selection um, and like the guitar guitar playing. The, the chorus of this song is, and then the verse, like I don't know what that's inspired by, but it, I'm sure it's something that I can't bring to mind right now. And the lyrics, um, I mean, it's a common theme for me, but the lyrics of this one is they're about kind of following something that is presented to you in life, following that and seeing where it goes. And, you know, you're not sure where it's going to go. The only thing you can really kind of lean on to guide you is just how you're feeling about it and um, what your heart is kind of telling you. Um, so that's what it's about. It's about just following something that you're not sure where it's going to go, but you know, you want to see where it goes. So when I was writing that song, I was going through two sets of parallel circumstances that were both contributing these feelings of uncertainty and mystery that I was trying to express with the lyrics in that song and one of those circumstances was a new relationship that was long distance um and that the the combination of those two factors produced a lot of challenges and obstacles and questions about how it was going to work what we were going to do um you know we lived in separate cities we each had careers established in our respective cities social circles we both just had roots set in in both of our cities and um but at the same time there was it seemed like there was potential in the connection so the decision was made to you know see what happened just like try it out and see where it led you know go down that rabbit hole and ultimately it ended up not feeling like the right situation and it ended up not working out but it felt like it was worth a try. Um, and at the same time, I was going through a very similar feeling situation uh, with Chalk Dinosaur, just with um, seeing a lot of potential in what we were doing as a band, but at the same time, having all of these complex variables that were significant, that were creating a lot of uncertainty about how it was going to turn out, where it was leading how far it would go. Um, Very similar feelings to what was going on in that relationship um, situation. But, you know, just with the career. 
because I feel like there's there's potential, there's an upward trajectory, and then looming in the back of my head, there's also the knowledge that there is a point where that trajectory will intersect with how far all of us as individuals are willing to go and the sacrifices we're willing to make for this. And that question produces a ton of uncertainty as to, well, you know, what's the end goal? Where are we trying to get? What are we trying to do with this? Um, I think we're all pretty on the same page and in terms of everybody kind of valuing a bigger picture sense of balance and happiness in their life versus chalk dinosaur. Nobody wants it to become a drag. I don't want it to be a burden on anybody. I want it to be enjoyable always. I don't want to ruin it by putting a ton of pressure. But I also, in the back of my mind, I know that if we keep the upward trajectory, it's going to intersect at some point with what we're willing to sacrifice. And this hypothetical intersection scenario is happening in the context of performing. Because being a successful performer usually means performing a lot, touring a lot, traveling a lot. It means like the most deviation from a normal centered lifestyle, which I think all of us value. Um, so I don't know, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. But I think it's also possible that there's another path, another alternative path may present itself or we may find one. Ideally, we'd find one where we can continue to grow and progress and create as a band and me individually uh, as an artist as well, but in a way that remains in line with all of our individual desires and um, values in terms of the kind of lifestyles we all want. And for me, I mean, the thing that feeds me the most is writing, recording, and releasing music. So I feel like that always needs to be prioritized for me and protected, that that kind of time and uh, freedom to do that. Yep, getting way ahead of myself, um, as usual. And But yeah, Rabbit Hole, that, that was written in a time when I was really... Um, occupied with these feelings of uncertainty that kind of mirrored each other in, you know, these two different aspects of my life. The second song uh, is called Rockland Station, and this was a song that I actually started writing in 2012, and I had the first verse, I I was really into it, I, I had the introduction written and the first verse. And then I really liked that, but I couldn't, I couldn't come up with words or melody. I didn't know what to do for the chorus. Like I wanted there to be some kind of chorus and I was like, maybe it doesn't need words. I I just could never, nothing I could think of like really felt right for the song. And I mean, seven or eight years later, I started thinking about the song again because I, I still really liked it. I liked the emotion of it, but I just didn't have the words to finish it. And finally, you know, once I reopened it about seven or eight years later, I found some words and melodies that that I felt like completed the song and along with a, uh, a second verse. And, um, and this song is... Uh, it, it alludes to a relationship I was in uh, 
um, earlier in my life and the waterfall, taking a trip to the waterfall, that was a location uh, of this, this um, person had a camp, as they call it in these parts, a camp, like a hunting camp. It was like a river house and it was on a road called Rockland Station Road. There was a waterfall uh, that we would go to sometimes. And uh, this was um, kind of a place that was a very prominent part of this person's life. It was a place where they found solace and had a lot of, uh, I don't is that right? They found solace? I don't know. It was just like a place. It was like a happy place for them. And this was someone who had been through a lot of a lot of hardship and challenges in their life with all different kinds of things. Um, but, and this was like, this was like a happy place for them. And I kind of always knew what I wanted the sentiment of this song to be kind of a commemoration of this place, but also a song of encouragement to this person that, you know, whatever you're going through, just keep, just keep going and don't give up and it's going to be all right and you're going to be, you're going to be fine and you can make it through whatever challenge you're having right now. Um, just because sometimes you, you just, you want to help somebody and you don't know how and I've kind of just had those feelings a lot, um, over the past um, 10 and 15 years or however long it's I've known this person so that that was kind of just the manifestation of those feelings and I uh, just kind of commemoration with you know encouragement um, yeah so I'm uh, I was very happy to finally finish that song in a way that I felt satisfied with. That's pretty uncommon that I come back to a song after that long, but, um, you know, I'm glad I did with that one because it was kind of, you know, if you leave something unfinished and you feel like it should be finished, it kind of, it just feels good to finish it. But, uh, yes. The third song on the album is called Sedona. And this is like an acoustic rock kind of song. Um, kind of like drew influence a bit from this band called Midlake and their their one album, Trials of Van Ocky Panther. I think that's what it's called. But kind of that acoustic rock clean uh very melodic and like reverb and stuff emotional um that's kind of just where this song started going from the beginning and I, I started writing this song just on the acoustic guitar and singing it and um a lot of times those uh, those turn out to be some of my best whenever i'm just writing the song on a guitar i'm not at a computer um but you know that doesn't doesn't always doesn't always work out but you know i feel like some of the songs that i feel like are my strongest songwriting wise are usually done like that 
and the lyrics of this it's it's kind of similar to um a lot of the other songs on this album is kind of an expression of like the kind of the situation I was going through at the time where I was I was I had gotten into this relationship with somebody um that you know I felt a connection to I felt close to but we were uh separated by a, a great distance so um the lyrics of this uh, uh you know appear to be about wanting to go to Sedona in Arizona um but really it's about wanting to see a person that I'm separated from so if you kind of hear the lyrics in that light it'll it, you know you'll see what I'm saying but um yeah it was just from a that feeling of being separated and longing and all that stuff um it's a very long song um but anyway it had just like been a while since I really felt anything like that and it kind of came out of me in that song um especially since I was not really able to act on any of these feelings being separated uh song number four it's called feel this way featuring winston bell who played with a band called the funky fly project from pittsburgh really great jazz saxophone player uh, i think he's 18 years old but when i first saw him play it was one five years he was probably 13 12 or 13 years old when i first saw him at farm jam alama um also this song features andrew belcastro who uh played bass in the band for a few years uh me and him started this song i lived together with andrew and my brother nick who plays the drums in the chalk dinosaur band and we all lived together the three of us in Southside in Pittsburgh. And, uh, yeah, one night, um, Andrew asked if I wanted to make a beat or, you know, like make some kind of music. So we went upstairs to my bedroom slash studio and started just jagging around with, uh, you know, opened up the computer, got some drums loaded up, on my uh, machine and then plugged the bass in. Andrew started jagging on the bass and we came up with the, with that song. And the lyrics, this song is like an example of like, sometimes I write lyrics for the sound and there's not a very specific pointed meaning to this to these words i was like i want to have vocals in here i kind of just went with the first thing that came to mind that um uh, that seemed to work and i didn't really question too much like what it meant um yeah i guess 
if you want to analyze it, it's just, you know, some, it's kind of just along the, the lines of, you know, you don't always choose your feelings. You feel them. Sometimes you can't explain them, but the truth of the matter is you have these feelings and that's it. That's all, that's all I've got to say, you know, um, it's up to you whether you acknowledge them or ignore them. And uh, Winston Bell, the saxophone player, when me and Andrew and Nick were at Farm Jam Alama, every year we'd see this kid play with his band, and they were amazing. And he's such a cool dude. And the the year before, 2019, Farm Jam Alama, we were watching Funky Fly Project and we were watching uh, Winston play saxophone, and me and Andrew were looking at each other like, we got to get him to play on Feel This Way. Because it was, it was a song that we had, it was like almost done, and we felt like, you know, it would be cool if there was something at the end here. And the sax, uh, like smooth saxophone seemed perfect, and after being at Farm Jam and watching him, we're like, we got to try and get Winston to play on it. And so we reached out and we made it happen and Winston agreed and he he came over, um, did a bunch of takes and laid down some sacks and some other stuff too that I haven't uh, released yet. Um, I have to go through that, but yeah, it was, it was great. I'm just really happy that we were able to work together on a song because, you know, seeing his band at Farm Jam Lama, that's, it's been a very strong memory and experience in in my life and especially my musical life uh, always very I'm always very inspired after I watch them play but yeah that's that's about it for that song song number five it's called gravity again harping on the same feelings I was having at the time um of just like being pulled towards something, not really knowing where it's going to end up. But, you know, if it's feeling right, continuing to go in that direction. So, yeah, that's that's pretty much the gist of that one. And I feel like I experimented a little bit with my vocals in this one, just like how I sang, how I processed the vocals. Um, I don't know. I don't really have much else to say about that one. It was just uh, something that I think I, I put together the instrumentals first and then and then try to come up with some kind of hook or some kind of lyrics, uh, vocals for it. Yeah. Uh, the ending is a little bit much. You got to be in the right mood because uh, it's kind of over the top, just like explosive, loud sound. But I, uh, if you're in the mood, you know it's it's good for me. I like it. But if I'm like in a very chill mood, it's not I, not for me at that time. All right, track number six is called "Brick by Brick." This was another one that was pretty. Pretty strongly influenced by Midlake and that that album, um, and also like a little, 
you know, kind of hearkening back to maybe an older style of music that I would, uh, that I would do. Um, and this one, just like the rest of them on this album that, uh, mostly, uh, it's about, it's about going forward in life, not knowing where you're going. Like, you keep on, you keep on walking, you don't know where, but if you keep on walking, someday you'll get there. That's uh, one of the lyrics in the song, and it's kind of just how I was feeling, because, you know, as a, as an entrepreneur, artist, um, independent contractor, like, the my life right now i'm constantly facing that kind of uncertainty where i don't know where this is heading i don't know how i'm gonna i don't know what i'm gonna be doing in 10 years at all i don't know where this career leads i have so many different kind of things that happen unexpectedly in terms of like on the live music front with the composing for TV or more recently games or, you know, I was doing like karaoke. I was making karaoke tracks for a bit. There's just a, it's hard to deal with the uncertainty sometimes of how this is all going to work in 10 years or something like where, what is the next step? And I mean, so far I've, you know, a new step has materialized, uh, at the right moments, you know, throughout my career, I, you know, it's been working, but you know, there's no, I didn't know what those steps were going to be when they appeared. And I don't know what the next ones are going to be from now. So this song was kind of like, I was writing this in the car on the way back from Colorado. I, I was driving. I had just been on a long trip of just driving around and camping and um, just exploring. Uh, and yeah, I was singing this song in the car and coming up with the words when I was driving because I think I was feeling a bit like, you know, needed to talk about these feelings of uncertainty and all I can really do is just keep trying and keep plowing ahead and, and trust that I'll fall into the right place and, you know, it's going to work out somehow as long as I keep on, you know, putting effort in and trying to be open to opportunities. And, you know, one of the lines um, sometimes I start thinking, what's it matter? But I know it does in ways I don't yet understand. That's kind of a comment on, you know, sometimes things happen and you don't know why. Sometimes it doesn't seem important. Um, sometimes you don't even notice it. And, and 
but looking back later in life, you realize that, you know, this was an inflection point. This had meaning in ways that I didn't understand at the time. And another line in the song is, as we forge ahead, our path remains concealed. By the end, our work of art will be revealed. Kind of just commenting on, you know, we all have no idea what's going to happen in the future. We have ideas about it. We've got aspirations. But so much of it is a mystery. And, you know, only time can reveal that. And, you know, by the end of your life, it'll all be there. It'll all be uh, revealed. What your life path and your the value you added to the world and uh, the mark you left on the people that that knew you, that uh, it'll all be revealed uh, in time, but it's just a mystery until then. And yeah, I just think about that a lot. And, you know, it takes a lot of trust to, to just be okay with that mystery. So I'm always kind of thinking about that, writing about that, trying to be okay with the mystery. All right, track number seven is, in my opinion, the most interesting song on the album. It's called Song of an Eastern Wind. It's uh, the title track, and I've never made a song like this before. Um, In my house, growing up, there was a box of cassettes in our kitchen and uh, they they were labeled and I would listen to them sometimes and what they were were old recordings of my dad playing music and also in the box or in in the uh, cabinet where we kept the CDs and cassettes and stuff I found a tape recording of my mom playing music. It was her graduation piano recital from 1974. So I I had that cassette, and then one of the cassettes I found in my dad, and it was a song that he had written and recorded for my mom. Um, you know, it wasn't like produced or anything. It was just on a tape recorder, him playing it into a tape recorder. And that was from 1976. And so for this song, I kind of chopped up the recording of my dad that my dad had made. Uh, It was almost like a remix kind of thing. Like I, I took that guitar riff and then the verses and chorus and kind of arranged them into a structure. Um, I mean, there already was a structure, but I think I, I added some extra sections for, you know, 
slide guitar, whatever. And I added a bass line to it and drums. And, and then I took this cassette uh, from my mom's graduation piano recital in 1974. I had to pitch shift it I think they were in the same key or like some of the piano recital was working over top of the song that my dad had recorded so anyway I kind of just like cut out little pieces from my mom's piano recital little piano flourishes and um, piano stuff and like combined them and then I added my stuff so it was like cross-generational collaboration uh it was really cool i feel i felt like i got to work on a piece of music with my mom and my dad when they were young adults and it was a really cool demonstration of kind of the two-sided musical upbringing i had um in terms of my parents uh, my mom being a classical pianist and my dad being more of a self-taught um, like songwriter uh, musician. And it was really cool to get to bring those together. And I was pretty amazed at how they fit. Um, that particular clip from my mom's graduation recital, I think parts of that were used. And then, I mean, that's a, that's a much longer audio file with a bunch of different songs and I am not exactly sure like which parts I took, but there were certain parts that just like worked together with the song that my dad had made. And uh, it was really cool to see how those meshed together. And then for me to get to add to that, my own bits was cool. That's pretty much it. That's like, it was like a, yeah, it was a collaboration between 1976 dad, 1974 mom, and 2019 Jono, uh, me. So, some of the, yeah, and that's my dad singing in that song. You know, the cassette was pretty worn. Can't hear all the lyrics precisely, especially the ones that are in French, but it was, uh, it was just really cool to be able to uh, to do that. That was a fun project. All right. Song number eight, Cosmic Favor, featuring Jesse Miller and Joe Plastino. This was a song. Um, I'm a fan of a band called Lotus, and every year they have a music festival called Summer Dance in Ohio. That's like their event, and they play three nights, you know, with other bands too. But um, I have kind of crossed 
crossed paths with them here and there um, when they would play in Pittsburgh with their side projects. Um, I got to open for, for them at Club Cafe one time. Uh, it wasn't Lotus. It was, it was Jesse Miller, the bass player, and Luke Miller, the guitar keyboard player. Uh, they're brothers, and they came to Pittsburgh with their side projects, Beard of Bees and Luke the Knife. And those were under the radar enough that I was able to open for them, uh, have the opportunity to play on, play with them for that show in uh, 2015, maybe 2016. So that's when I first met them. And eventually, somehow, uh, Chalk Dinosaur ended up getting invited to play at Summer Dance. I think it was 2018, maybe 2017. I can't remember, but um, that was amazing because I that just meant a lot to me to be included in that. And um, so the the first year I went, Jesse Miller was doing a seminar or like a workshop uh, on modular synthesizers. So I attended that and he kind of demonstrated like his modular synthesizer rig and like what you can do with modular synthesizer rigs. And um, so I went to that and I asked a million questions um, and kind of just tried to like interact as much as I could and, you know, learn learn as much as I could, but, you know, also it was just a chance to interact and, you know, talk shop with uh, somebody who's, you know, doing cool stuff and doing, you know, found success doing, doing what he loves. And, um, you know, I just wanted to uh, interact and, and kind of pick his brain as much as I could. But um, one of the questions I asked him was, you know, how do you integrate this, modular synthesizer into your workflow like when you're writing a song like do you just mess around on this thing and get random loops um and then you use them later or do you do you go into a song and you're like trying to create something specific with this modular synthesizer and his response was that no he doesn't go in trying to create something specific but um what these modular synthesizers are good for or really good for uh, is creating like happy accidents, you know, ending up, you plug all these patch cables into different places. You twist all these knobs and you don't know what you're going to get. And you end up getting some really interesting textures or some kind of cool sound that you never could have intentionally went out to create. You never would have found it. it it's, you just find all these things through X, exploration and you end up at these places that are really cool and unique and you might never recreate um so he said he just does that and he records you know a session where he's just experimenting with the patch cables and the because the modular synthesizer it is uh in short it's a synthesizer but all of the components of a synthesizer are there's all these different modules, like the oscillator, which creates the tone, uh, and then the filter, which 
you know, controls how bright the sound is or how much, you know, bass frequencies are in the sound, you know, LFOs, envelopes, things, all these like sound shaping modules, um, you know, people put together their own custom assortment of these different modules and then they've all got connectivity with patch cables. So you just plug a cable into one, plug it into another one, and then it does something. And you just, I don't know, if you look up a picture, they just become like insane spaghetti monsters. Um, but people really love them. I have been very resistant to dive into that because it, it's a whole new, it's a whole world of gear that looks... Um, looks dangerous. So I have proceeded with caution, not ready to jump into that world yet. Probably someday, but not for now. But anyway, he said that's how he, he uses it creatively. He, he does, he records exploration sessions where he's finding, you know, interesting sounds or textures. And then he saves all of these into a folder and Sometimes he'll use that to kind of jumpstart a song idea or like kind of use it as a springboard to uh, create something. So after Summer Dance was over, I sent him an email um, asking him, because I really wanted to like collaborate with them in some way if I could. Um, and I was trying to, I knew they'd probably be too busy and there's too much of a like a difference in like, how much they know me and how much I know them for them to want to like work with me. But I came up with an idea to collaborate with them in a way, well, with Jesse in this instance, just with him. Um, but I came up with a way, an idea for like how we might be able to work on something together that would, would not require hardly like any work on his end or time, but we could still collaborate on something and my idea was, he said he, he puts all these loops that he makes from his modular synthesizer into a folder. Um, so I, I sent him an email to see, you know, do you have any of these like modular synthesizer loops that you've made that you, you know, aren't going to use or that um, something I could work with to make a track out of? And he sent me some. And I took what he sent me and I made this song out of it, Cosmic Favor, and, um, yeah, it was, it was very, it was a challenge, it was a fun challenge, because it's, it's in an odd, it's kind of in an odd time signature, but, um, yeah, he just sent me a couple audio files, and I went through and found some things that would make, I felt like could make the basis for a song idea, but it worked out perfectly, because, like, he just found these loops he made that he was was not going to use or may have never seen the light of day and he sent them to me and then I listened to them and it used it as inspiration to make a song so it it was a collaboration but it didn't require any kind of commitment uh, time commitment or any effort other than just sending me those files so it worked out really good and I feel like it kind of it was a chance for me to kind of um just uh, collaborate and kind of try to demonstrate my my worth. Um, 
and then yeah we've been we've been at every summer dance since getting to play which is amazing and um joe plastino who's the other featured musician on this song he is a friend who i met through the clock reads and shaq nicholson he lives he he doesn't live in pittsburgh anymore i think he lives in boulder or denver and he's a didgeridoo player you know percussion he's just like a he's a musician um i think he plays a lot of different stuff but in this song he's playing a didgeridoo and it's pretty it's kind of buried in the mix but there's there's a section in there where it's like droning out in the background making these cool textures and sounds i i probably could have mixed it a little louder but i think that was one of those points where like i turn it up a little bit and then it sounded too loud and then i turn it down and it sounded too quiet and it was like at a certain point i had to just stop fiddling with it but it's one of those things that you probably don't notice it until until you listen for it and then you hear it and then you hear it every time after that but anyway i loved what it added to the track and uh i had been wanting to do something with him and um he had come over before and recorded some didgeridoo stuff and i i ended up never doing anything with it um sometimes it they just uh fall through the cracks I, it's kind of a mystery to me why sometimes you know i've i've had a lot of kind of collaboration sessions and sometimes they they very quickly kind of light on fire and turn into something and other times they don't and it's not always it it doesn't seem to be totally dependent on like the quality of the session cuz like some i i've done sessions with Lucas Bauman and Benny Rossman some really high quality stuff in there but it didn't i didn't like finish the ideas i didn't like really go after them to complete them right away and then they kind of just sat there and then other stuff came up and i still haven't finished them so that it's kind of one of the i, I do intend to get back to those because i've got to finish those because uh you know, Benny and Lucas took the time to come over and record and, and work on this with me, and I, I've got to finish them. But, um, yeah, that's why I'm always such a believer in, like, if you've got any momentum with a song, just ride that momentum as far as you can and finish it if you can. At least finish a version of it, which you can always refine later. But... Just take it as far as you can when you have that momentum because, you know, other things come up. It's just, you know, it happens. It's kind of tragic when it happens and something doesn't get finished. Um, and it's hard to kind of go back, get that momentum back. You, you definitely can. You just have to probably sit in front of your computer and, you know, bang your head against the wall for a couple days. Um and just be okay with not having that momentum at first. But then once you kind of spend the time to get back into the project, you know, that, that can, it can come back kind of like what happened with Rockland station 
and that song um true care it was another that was another one that was separated by years and then having to go back and get and finish it um and recover that momentum um so it can't happen but it, it it's not the most comfortable thing when you jump back into it and you don't know what to do um but I think if you just are there with the intention of working on the project, stuff will happen eventually uh, as long as you keep trying things and just keep putting mental effort into it. Um, eventually something will kind of spark your interest, give you a little momentum, a little something to chew on, you know? Some teeth, some grip, some traction. Okay, well, anyway, that's that was the last track of the album. That's Song of an Eastern Wind. It was released January 24th, 2020. That was written over the course of 2018, 2019. Um, so, yeah, if you like songs with words and you haven't heard this one, uh, check it out. Okay, well, that's all I have to say about that. Hope you all have a happy new year and a good week, and I'll talk to you next time. Uh